Hello, welcome to Intimate Discourse. My name is Jason. This episode, Three Men and an Abortion Dialogue, was recorded on May 15th, 2022, just after the leaked U.S. Supreme Court draft opinion regarding um, a challenge of Roe versus Wade. This was recorded prior to the actual overturning of Roe versus Wade for context. It was recorded in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hope you enjoy the show and thank you for listening. Welcome to the show, folks. Um, my name is Jason, here with Dimitri. Um, we are also here with a guest today. It's our first episode with a guest. Uh, it is uh, Marvin. Today we're going to be talking about abortion and um, issues peripheral to that and um, and just sort of see how it goes or where it goes. Um, uh, this is a, a field that, uh, just speaking personally, like I've... Um, <laughs> personally never had one but i i've uh it's just a, it's a it's a topic i've never been that passionate about one way or the other which sounds strange because it seems like both sides of this issue especially in america are quite passionate about it uh, one way or the other you have um certainly the pro-lifers um and the pro-choicers um um uh, they each have strong opinions about the matter and they are um um, both, you know, make good points on each side. Uh, for me, it's just been something I've just been distanced from because I've, uh, um, thankfully, I guess, never been in a position where I've had to choose one way or the other. Um, I have my own feelings about it, certainly, and um, in terms of uh, how those feelings should um, uh, translate into law has always been something I've just sort of stayed away from. Um, but I do have some opinions on it, uh, especially after researching this episode and sort of, uh, I don't know, thinking about it in a more formal kind of way. Um, we So it was pointed out to me before we did this show that there are three uh, white men that are actually doing this. Um, although I guess the race shouldn't matter, but it is three. three I feel like I always have to add that it in these days. Matters, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure in some, in some context it does. But uh, yeah, so three three people with penises. In any case, um, at least I assume so. I don't know. <laughs> it's half the equation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we, uh, and, you know, it was pointed out to me that this is maybe you know you always have a woman's perspective on here, and um, why is this? Uh, you know, and I think just aside from the fact that um, you know it's kind of quick trying to get these shows together, and uh, I, it, you know you have to know somebody and we'll know what their position is and then try to integrate them into the show. That's a whole, just a logistics thing. But um, just to address that, because I hear that a lot these days where there is this idea that because you don't belong to some kind of uh, demographic, uh, whether it's um, being a woman speaking about um, abortion or being a minority uh, speaking about, you know, racism or a, um, you know, a trans person speaking about trans issues, like, there seems to have been this trend that uh, almost seems to be getting worse where there's a failure to recognize that humans are uh, capable of sort of abstracting themselves from um, 
the subjective and can actually talk about something in a, you know, in a way that relies on things other than just, you know, the intimate personal experience. Like, you know, there's limits. Like I'm not going, we're not going to sit here and start talking about, you know, uh, the, you know, the pain, the pain, the pregnancy, the pain of pregnancy isn't that bad or anything like that. Like, um, you know, there's certain things that you can't, you know, I can't speak about my life as a young Jewish boy or like, you know what I mean? There's certainly, um, areas that are more, um, relevant in hearing from somebody who has had the personal experience. But, um, when you're speaking about issues that, um, you know, we're human beings, we have the ability to empathize, we have the ability to, um, uh, speak about something using logic and using um, kind of comparative analysis. And, um, you know, I, I, in any case, I, I don't feel any, um, uh, you know, I, I don't feel that there's any problem with the way that we're going about this. Um, you know, we'd be happy to have a woman on, but um, let's just let see how this episode goes and um, uh, we can, uh, we can take it from there. Um, yeah. And, and importantly, it wasn't by choice that we don't have a woman on. It just sort of happened to be like that. You know, you just, right. Like, you know, it's, it's not like we had 10 people interviewing for this yeah, yeah. spot and it was like, <laughs> we'll take the one the man time. that interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's about diversity of opinion too. So, you, yes, you should have women, but men and trans, like everybody should have something to say about this. Mm-hmm. You know? And perhaps more on the woman's side, but everybody has a point to make. Yeah, and I think that that's also important. I'm not sure in what context you meant it, but like in terms of diversity of opinion, I think that that is important, but it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's important to have, you know, you're not necessarily married to the demographic that you're, you know, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're pro-choice. Like there's plenty of pro-life women. But, uh, you know, I think Marvin here has uh, uh, an opinion that I know uh, just from chats with him before uh, diverges from mine and actually... Uh, Dimitri, I don't know what your uh, personal opinion I'm, is of this. I'm looking Canadian. forward to hearing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm a boring Canadian yeah. this way. I haven't thought too deeply about it because it's just been sort of like fabric of life. It's just always been around. Yeah, yeah, you it's know? a different issue in Canada. We I don't think have it never... these uh, giant uh, landmark, uh, you know, legal cases. From therefore, we have precedent. It just sort of yeah. was the way of being, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where um, uh, that was. First of all, Marvin, you want to say hi and um, hello. I'm Marvin. That's Marvin, all right. Uh, um, so the, this, um, you know, we're doing this episode in the uh, wake of a um, um, a draft opinion that was leaked from the Supreme Court uh, recently, which uh, I think is Justice Alito did up, um, and the understanding is that this is going to turn into a overturning of the, um, uh, you know, sort of legendary Roe versus Wade um, decision back in like 1973 or some, somewhere yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember growing up always hearing Roe versus Wade yeah. sort of thrown around in politics. Uh, like they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade yeah. if they get in. And it's like, oh, now it's, you know, it's actually happening. It's strange. Yeah, Can yeah. you summarize it for the young folks who might not know? The, dis- the uh, Roe versus Wade? Yes. Roe versus Wade. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> Roe versus Wade uh, is just, um, and you know, I, I, I will preface it with saying, like, I don't. I'm certainly not a legal expert, but I, I, the, my understanding of it is, um, it. Well, the the Roe versus Wade overturns the state's right to make decisions on how. Um, when women can have abortions or whether they can have abortions or not. So like, um, you know, I think this, this 
draft opinion came about through the, um, uh, I think it was a, a law in Mississippi that was being challenged and it came before the Supreme Court because uh, in Mississippi they ban abortions after 15 weeks. And um, what I understand to be uh, happening is that um, we have um, a group that was attempting to argue that because um, they're trying to argue that abortion was a fundamental right of, um, of people and it's sort of enshrined in the Constitution. And uh, that, that decision got um, all the way to the Supreme Court and now they're reviewing it and they're looking at what it actually means to be um, um, what, you know, whether that is something that was uh, constitutionally valid where it's like, uh, can you, you know, is this something that people have the right to have an abortion? And basically the, the draft opinion is that no, it, it's not covered by it. And by that logic, it's then, you know, the overturning of Roe versus Wade is like, well, yeah, states should be able to make laws on, um, uh, on whether they want to allow or disallow abortions because it's not a federal uh, issue. Um, at least that's what, that's my understanding of it. So, uh, and this has brought about like a lot of, um, you know, fear. I think that it's such a, um, you know, the idea of, because of course it's always portrayed in the media and, um, um, with politicians, it's always a very polarizing issue. It's like, well, it's either you believe in the right to the sanctity of life or you believe in, you know, um, the government not having autonomy over your body. So uh, you do get pretty, uh, um, two sharp sides to this issue. And uh, it's a great kind of political um, firestorm that it can create just because of its, um, you know, it's been so um, pumped up over the years. Can, can I ask you, why, why is this coming up now? What has fundamentally happened? Like, why, why, what, what was the impetus to bring this up now? So I think that the, I don't know how often this kind of thing generally happens, like the, that laws are challenged, um, like abortion laws are challenged. It may just be the fact that um, um, we now have a conservative Supreme Court, so it seems that maybe now the draft opinion makes sense to try to um, overturn it and um, it just seems strange because so okay so you have more by saying that yet there's more Supreme Court judges that are Republican than Democrat really yeah okay. yeah so but then you still have to get like well almost like 100% consensus amongst them that they don't want abortion laws I, I you know like yeah, yeah. it's strange right because I still think there'd be some you know it's not like a universal you're Republican you absolutely believe this right it's for funny. sure. And what's the ratio? There's 12 judges in the states. What are how many are there? How many There's nine. Court? Nine. Yeah. Right. So then, what? You're gonna like a five to four ratio, and like all five have to like like it just seems a little weird to me. The well, timing and the the, the, the the jury rigging of all this, you know. It's interesting because the the um, judicial branch of government in the states has been the one branch that I would say has been sort of. Um, uh, for the most part, and relatively speaking, um, not as subject to politics as the other ones by any stretch of the imagination. Like a lot of these guys, you know, Trump appointed um, Gorsuch and um, uh, Kavanaugh and Barrett. Kavanaugh and Barrett, and then you have, uh, you know, the I think both of them, or at least two of the three, voted against. Um, you know, when he was bringing all the the challenges uh, during the election, uh, they, they were basically wouldn't even hear it. Like it was, it was so sort of outlandish and sort of beneath the dignity of the court, I guess, to hear it. Mm -hmm. So, and there's been other, um, there's been a few um, other issues that have been pretty big issues that uh, the court has um, 
voted in favor, like the traditional right-leaning um, court or the current right-leaning court is now, you know, kind of tilted left on a couple of issues that were, um, which were surprising, um, I think, to a lot of people on the right. So it's not like they're, um, it's not like yeah, this is like biased and yeah. it's like, well, it's a Republican leaning court. So now let's just start pushing out everything yeah. and it's going to yeah, every yeah. time five to four or five to four. Mm. Um, but that might be one of the reasons why this became, you know, um, why this draft opinion is being created and, uh, you know, it's hard the to. The timing does seem a little bit odd because they're predicting the, in the midterms, the Democrats are going to get killed and just the, this is one of those issues that rallies the voters, you know, it yeah. gets people on the streets, it gets them into the voting booth. So yeah, conspiracy theory, but well, um, you can see that, but I would also argue, and I, I've heard this argument made, um, I think it was a Wall Street Journal article or something where it was like, um, there's an argument made that it actually isn't as galvanizing as it's sort of being made out to be like people, um, at the end of the day are like, you'll still be able, there'll still be states where you can get an abortion. There's still, uh, you know, ultimately you're talking about almost something hypothetical in many people's lives. Like some people have already had kids Some people like there's, there's few people like there, you know, there's obviously a lot, enough people that are very, um, passionate about the issue that are like diehards one way or the other, but it's, um, you know, the general American, like, is this going to turn anybody's votes? You know, I, I don't know if it will. Like, I don't know if it's that big of a deal for a lot of people in a, in a practical sense. Um, you might have people that are worried about, you know, if they, if they're going to, uh, like, this is going to affect their ability to like, what are they thinking? Like, well, like, what if I get pregnant? And then, you know, it's like, you're talking about like, you know, getting pregnant while being, you know, like the, the contraception didn't work. So you have that failure. And then it's like, then you don't want the baby. So there's that second, uh, wrong. And then it's like, the third one is like, uh, you know, um, you know, well, you can't get an abortion. You're in a state that can't, you can't yeah. get an abortion. So, and then for some reason you can't travel to the next one. So there's all these things. Right? Like when you start thinking of the hypothetical, it's like, okay, you still can get it. Mm -hmm. But you know, on the, on the side of the left, I can see how this is something where it's like, you see the beginning of, this kind of thing happening and it's like okay here come the erosion of rights and um mm. which is ironic coming or, from yeah and like yeah 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 it's a, it's a pendulum but also like the whole, the timing is strange in this era of bodily autonomy right yeah you know, you know, it's, it's just strange and i see like an energy almost like a well no you can't actually do these things you thought were always enshrined in you know legal apparatuses like roe versus wade or uh, you know, yeah, you just um, you can say no to a vaccine or whatever. You know, like it just all seems to be the same driving energy where it's moving in that direction, yeah, piece by piece. When you extrapolate it and look far enough into the future, you know, mm. things that were considered foundational, like whether it's free speech, Roe versus Wade. Oh well, maybe we need a Ministry of Truth, or maybe you don't actually have the bodily autonomy you thought you had. Right. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know. It's always been kind of interesting to me that this is a right wing issue or like, you know, um, in the sense that like the pro-life a lot tend to be right wing. Like you um, like it seems to be something that is aligned with, yeah. the, you know, when you have only two parties, you know, people just kind of pair off. You know? Yeah, I guess I guess it's that simple. But it's um, yeah, because it, it, to me, it's always seemed like more consistent, like the parallels with the vaccine are pretty glaring here. Like and for me, it's always seemed like, yeah, I'm. I'm pro-choice. You should be able to choose if you want to get the vaccine. I'm pro-choice. You shouldn't be able to interfere with a woman's uh, body. Like, uh, so to me, it's it's always seemed the same under the same banner or whatever. And um, but um, but it's and yet it's always seemed to be a uh, right-wing 
um, kind of darling issue. Yeah, and pro-life is anti-abortion. Like it's funny how they both have taken like pro-choice, right. pro-life, like the, yeah, marking, yeah, yeah. the marking has improved yeah. Yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then the um, the pro-choice is actually anti-life or anti-babies. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting <clears throat> play. Um. So. Uh, yeah, I guess let's talk first. I mean, the kind of interesting thing about this episode, I think, is just going to be talking about what, um, like, you know, everybody sort of has an idea about the issue. It's like, what is our opinion on the matter? Like, um, uh, you know, this is like, might not be interesting to anybody else, but it's certainly, you know, th- this is what I think is the meat of it. And like, I think that we are um, fairly um, broken up here. Um, like, um, I think Mar- Marvin and I, I know disagree on this. This is actually one of the few things, uh, there's a few things that we, um, like major issues that we don't necessarily see eye to eye on, but this is, uh, one of them. Um, abortion is not a hill I'm willing to die on though. Really? I have an yeah. opinion about it, but I'm, it's not a strong opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say I feel the same. Yeah. I would say the same too, actually. Which puts me back enough. into pro-choice in a sense. Like just, I don't know, you want to do it. It's your your baby, your life, you know, yeah. kind of thing. With, obviously, we'll get into that, like limitations and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I wonder, like, you know, it'd be interesting to poll, like, globally. I think most people in the world probably kind of actually are just reasonable humans. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, sure, okay, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for me, so, like, I, I think that... Um, and, you know, without getting into the whole thing, I, I, I think, or maybe with getting into the whole thing, I don't know, like, um, like for me, a lot of it is, this is emblematic of a problem I think we have with society and where there seems to be a discrepancy between what is, what should be codified in law and what is, uh, you know, a, a morality or a question of morality or ethics. And like, um, <clears throat> like the way I look at this is like, you, you need to have something like when you're living in a society, you have a bunch of different people, a bunch of different opinions, and you have to find sort of the best fit for everybody. And the, that best fit can only come about through like a first principle kind of system where you have like very like top level. Like I think the American Constitution does this really well, where it's like the, you know, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, like just, you know, these are the things that you just can't violate. And it's like a great system. You know, you might not agree with all of the um, uh, points, but if you have a society that's built on that, it becomes a lot easier to uh, codify laws and to make sure that you have the people in the country that are have the same, like, you know, it's at the very least, we're all humans. We all care about our children and we all care about, um, you know, like the, the rights that enshrine like this society. Basic fundamental rights. And from there, mm-hmm. you build everything up from there. You know? Yeah, yeah, because it's it's worth noting that some societies don't have that, right? Like there's a lot of, or they have their own list that is different from what uh, they have in Western nations. Um yeah, you see that, and you see that, you see that sort of um, topsy turvy creeping into our world too. Yeah, you know, like oh, you know, freedom is a you know a dangerous word. You know, right, would right. Would have never have yeah, yeah. anyone's mind. It's, uh, creepy. Very Orwellian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I for for me, I the way I look at this is like um, something like this issue become it's a clear choice of um, you know the government shouldn't have control over. The government shouldn't be able to tell anybody what they can do with their body. And you can take that to any real extreme. Like they shouldn't be able to give somebody a vaccine. I don't care if it's like, you know, a 99% lethal uh, disease. In principle, they shouldn't be able to do that. Um, and the same as this. I, for me, it's like, you know, I would say it's it's in terms of a legal issue, it should not be the government's um, uh 
duty to interfere or like it, the government shouldn't interfere in uh, a woman's ability to to uh um like manage her body like uh you know so it's um yeah the, and the way you're presenting it makes it quite fundamental like you make a very clear line of delineation yeah it oh, yeah. saves yeah. everybody time too like i mean like you know what i mean there's not like these court cases or like and it's and you know you might not agree with it like morally you know you can say like well what about the you know what about the woman who's going to go in and get like you know ninth or you know fourth trimester or third trimester or like abortion or whatever and it's like okay like how many people are actually going to do that and then you start getting into the morality of it and like then you give the doctors the choice of whether they want to have the abortion or not right mm -hmm. so like um Anyway, that's uh, that's sort of my take on these things. And like I would say, like just to sort of start it off is like that is my position is that in terms of a law, I think that there should be, you know, well, actually what we have in Canada, which is there. And I didn't know this uh, before before I started researching this episode. But like um, we don't have any uh, like, you know, you can get an abortion at any um, level or at any period of your mm -hmm. um, right to the very end, right to the very end of your pregnancy, which they say statistically happens exceedingly rare, right? You know, so then it's like, are we arguing like forever and ever about something that happens like in such a fraction of a fraction of a percentage? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah I get it, like the concept, you know, like you know, the, you know, eight and a half months into it, right? It obviously, feel it just feels devastating, yeah, at that point because you know that baby could survive outside, but what percentage of the actual abortions when we're talking about as a mechanism mm -hmm. actually happen in that time frame right yeah a very small number yeah. yeah yeah do you know if there's a little bit of a grace period even after the birth where the mother can kill the child and then they'll just label it infanticide and say oh she was having mental problems and she just gets basically a slap on the wrist i, I don't i don't know if that's canada or if that's other countries i have but heard of that yeah. where does that where does that happen or like what is I've never heard of I've that. I've heard something to the effect, I don't quote me on it, but like, yeah, it, they can actually have birth and still decide after the birth. You can just drown the baby in a bathtub a week later and they'll be like, oh, she just went crazy. It well, happens wasn't that, that sounds like something that happened in the 19th century or yeah. something like. Well, I mean, funny story, like my dad's the seventh child mm -hmm. and they got in a very rural agricultural family, you know, in Greece on the side of a mountain in the 1940s, post right. World War II. And my grandmother would always, loving, most loving family, right? And, but she would turn to my father and go, you know, when you when I found out I was pregnant for the seventh time, and no, so this is going back to countries that had no laws around this, right? You were right. talking about villagers and just like uh, survival, you know, they had they had no electricity and no running water, right? Um, so maybe just it was also of, wartime, wasn't it? Like well, yeah, but then? even you know, but you know, if electricity happened in London, England, I don't know, nineteen twenties, by the time it comes down to the Mediterranean up the side of a mountain, it's another thirty years, mm -hmm. right? So the, yeah, the infrastructure just wasn't there. But this might go back to how things have been done for thousands of years, just the mentality around it. Yeah. And she would turn to my father, he goes, you know, when I found out I was pregnant with you, we said we can't feed another child in the house. So I tried so hard to abort you myself. <laughs> I sat in freezing, you know, water and all these oh, things. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And wow. damn it, John, you just wouldn't die. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> you are really strong. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of dark humor. Right. But it kind of just also highlights, like, the survival reality sometimes that yeah, exists, yeah. right? And you're, you're almost proud of the child. Like, I tried, and you just were too stubborn. Right, right. <laughs> and very bright, bright. <laughs> okay, you can stay. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, kind that's like crazy. That spider that walks around the toilet sometimes. Well, I've tried to flush you down three times, but I guess you survive now. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though, because it's a very, uh, like, yeah, that really does kind of paint a picture of how, um, you know, 
like people talk about this stuff so almost hypothetically yeah. or talking about the legalese of it. And it's yeah. like, but these are, it still comes down to real people having real decisions yeah. to make about Can you feed things. that baby? Or is yeah. there two parents involved and you wish it? Or like, where are you mentally in your health? Like it's, it really is individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and these are some of the most moral, out, you know, outstanding humans I've ever known. So the whole morality behind it part. Yeah. Like it just, they didn't view it in that framework at all. Yeah. It was like just raw survival. Yeah. Right, right. So, like, just for the record, let's all kind of state our uh, state our abortion beliefs. Like, you know, and I wouldn't, I would even argue um, that I don't know. Uh, you know, it's like the three trimesters. What stage is what? Like, you know, it's it's kind of you can kind of like ballpark it or whatever. But it's like, uh, you know, I, I do hear people talking about it in certain stages of development and this and that. And for me, that gets a little bit like, for me, that gets a little bit too. Uh, almost beside the point. And like, you know, people trying to, um, you know, you could, you, you, the argument can be that, uh, like for me, it's like, it should be almost absolute in terms of the laws. So you have conception or you have birth, right? Like everything in the middle is almost, you know, that is just um, accounting or something. Like it's... Um, it's the gray zone. Yeah, it's the gray zone. Nobody really knows. Like people say, well, like, oh, that's uh, the development of the uh, prefrontal cortex. Uh, that's yeah. like, it's like, you don't really know that. The like, heartbeat. No, yeah, yeah. It can sustain life on its own when it's, you know, in an incubator. Yeah. Yeah, moments like that. Why is death so easy to define then? Is it though? <laughs> I mean, heartbeat and brain function would probably be the two things that matter, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be um, I mean, death happens with everybody watching and with a conscious um, person that can respond to different things like um, sort of in the moment. Like, I guess it's not like the dead person. <laughs> like, I, I am dead now, folks. It is, I, it is it's such a tricky philosophical question because it is totally the woman's body. Mm -hmm. I totally understand her autonomy over this. But at a certain point, it's no longer just her body. Yeah, true. And that point happens at some point when the that which is not hers mm -hmm. is inside her still. Right, you know? but there needs to be a point of um, like there needs to be a demark point, you know, where yeah. it's like okay, this and you for me, it's there's no way of doing that without infringing on the woman's rights. I mean, in religious terms, they do call it the immaculate conception, not the immaculate first heartbeat. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> immaculate <Yeah>. brain functioning. <laughs> you know, the, the it was pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a good point. And um, in terms of the, you know, it, it, again, it's moral. So, like, morally for me, it's like, I, you know, if my uh, partner got pregnant, I would... Um, I would want her, I, I don't think I would ever want to her to have an abortion. And I, I, I would also argue, you know, it would probably get to a point where, like, if she was dead set against it and she was going to get the abortion, it would be the end of our relationship. Like, I, I, you know, in the sense that it would be, well, you know, you, like, I would feel very strongly about it, the fact that it's like you just killed, um, you yeah. know, uh, my potential child. Uh, you put it in good terms. Like, if my, if my partner got pregnant no doubt from that moment if deciding to abort the baby would be like the same to me as deciding to stop a life right right so therefore heart function or no heart function it's a life yeah you know 
And you might be okay with that. You might say it's early. It doesn't feel anything. It's not conscious. Maybe that's your own personal choice. Too. Mm-hmm. Maybe it should remain, remain in that realm. But for me, personally, as you were just listening to you, yeah, if my girlfriend, significant other, got pregnant and we were deciding to abort it, even in the first month, it's that which will become life, whether it's life yeah. at this moment or not. <laughs> and therefore, it's still like stopping life. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that's a, it's a tough one. Well, it's a tough one because you're at the same time being like, you know, I believe in a woman's right to choose right up until the end or whatever. And, but it's like, but don't you dare do it because yeah. you know what I mean? But, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, that's because that is part my child, like, and uh, you know, my potential child. And, uh, you know, I do think that that's, you know, there's, there's certainly some merit to that. Right. And men do get kicked out of the conversation a little too easily. Like we are uh, yeah. 50% of the equation. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. You're not removing any of her choice though, but there's like big consequences for her choice. Yeah. your relationship yeah i'm not taking away her autonomy but i'm saying that you know i you know like you can you can sort of say whatever you want or like you tell me like all the reasons why it's your right to have the abortion but you know if it's if it's my baby then you know great you have that right but like we're done or yeah, um, yeah in that sense what gives the woman more say over it than the man just because it's in the woman's body yeah I, I can see that but then we have to admit it's in the woman's body like it's a yeah because the man is half the equation. It's half his baby too. But but the, but that's where the legality, I think, comes in. And I, it comes in handy because it's like we don't have any real say over it as men because, uh, you know, we have a say on the personal level for sure. Like that's, you know, that's why you have a partner that you have the same, you know, ideals with. Like, like if you're with somebody who you're that... Um, divergent in in your beliefs then that that's something you should examine mm-hmm. but and that's why you're having that problem but if you're you know if you're generally so on the Tinder same doesn't page ask those questions yeah right right <laughs> yeah and um it, yeah so it's it's um i i think it becomes very f- easy to say you know uh, during the pregnancy stage it's a woman's choice whether she wants to abort in an illegal sense and the man really doesn't have much say you know they can um, they, they don't they can't infringe upon that bodily autonomy yeah. law uh, I mean the the biology of it is it's happening in the woman so that's yeah. just going to give her it's kind of like squatter's rights so she's got right, she's got right. dibs on this yeah. you know and, and even though you're half the equation mm-hmm. at the end of it it's in her body yeah you know it's just the way you know evolution happened yeah so maybe men just have to like sit back and take it like no all right you know what can I say mm-hmm. I have less say in this matter because it's not my body you know? Yeah. It's unfortunate because like philosophically, yes, it's half your, it's, you may have always wanted a child and this is the one chance something accidentally happened and maybe you're told as a man you could never have kids. Right. And like, this is the moment, you know, like it can be devastating for a man. Yeah. But in the final analysis, it's in her body. Yeah. And life is devastating. You know, there's a lot of shitty things that happen in life that you can't control. Like you, you know, but the idea with laws is to try to find the right balance for the most people and just have some consistency about it so that you're working on these, you know, I know I say this first principles thing a lot, but it's like, it just makes everything easier. It takes away, you know, court cases, tough decisions, like, you know, you can have all the inward turmoil you want and like have, you know, 
debates endlessly in your household amongst whether you should get the abortion or not. But like in terms of the law, it should just be, you know, we don't want the government, like, like I, I don't want the government, you know, interfering in any aspect uh, of my life. That's not like, you know, okay, you want to charge taxes? Like that's a little bit like I would even argue about some of that, but it's some of it, some of that I can be like, okay, we're in a society. So there's some concession there, but yeah, yeah. It becomes too much nanny state when you're even down to the bodily parts of your body. Yeah, and yeah. like debating over, well, what weak uh, pregnancy is it? And what, uh, as if there's some, uh, they've somehow been endowed with the knowledge to discern yeah. when life begins, you know? Yeah, like, see, it's, in, it's literally the, the state encroaching on your own bodily functions. Right, right. You know? Um, what do you think about that, Marvin? You, <laughs> you're the dissenting opinion here, I think. Yeah. I wanted to say something else. Uh, I wanted to paraphrase Dave Chappelle. I don't know if you remember his bit, but it was, uh, if she gets to kill it, I get to decide whether or not I want to leave or not. Hmm. Or if she gets to kill it, I get to decide whether to abandon it or not. Because it seems like if the woman wants the baby and the male doesn't want the baby, mm -hmm. he's still on the hook for 18 years. Hmm. Should he be? That's a good question. Yeah, maybe there's got to be a paper to be signed. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, like, I, this is what we, I don't, I want an abortion. Otherwise, it's all yours. You know, that's interesting. I, I think that that's, but I think that that, I mean, just on just hearing that, like, um, I mean, that sounds reasonable, yeah. like to me. I mean, I think, again, you get into the moral and legal, like, obviously, you should be morally, uh, that's, that's a burden you have to carry See, as a, as somebody psychological too. like, cause at the end of the day, it's the man, I'm going to go deep here, but like the man penetrating the woman, perhaps that is the contract in itself. If you really didn't want that, if you didn't want to be on the hook, for raising a child, that was the moment the man should have stopped. Yeah, like, you really, it comes back to people who are meeting, like, you know, and not to, we can maybe talk a bit about, like, promiscuity and all this, like, um, you know, if you want to be promiscuous and you want to meet women all the time and have sex with them, that's fine. If, if a woman wants to do the, the same... it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost, and you might find a man that does leave or you might find a woman that does want to abort the kid and you might change your mind but like that's you have a responsibility for your actions and uh you know that's part of it i and i and i think that yeah that's the, the case of the dave Chappelle thing is like okay well i would say you know it's morally repugnant for a man to just sort of walk away from your responsibilities like that but legally you sh sure he should be able to it's not well, his uh in my teenage years my my father used to say as a man is only two things you have to be careful of oh what is it dad where you put your signature and where you put your penis. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of brutal. Yeah. But, you know, there's, yeah. there is a certain good, uh, certain contractual agreement when you become amorous with somebody. This may go down that road. Right. This is what that action creates. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you should have the, um, you know, and not to be puritanical or whatever. It's just like you have to know, you have to be comfortable with the person you're with on some level. If it's some sort of, you know, you just get together and it's a casual thing, that's fine. But know that you know, know that you're both risking something there and there's a potential for damage there. Um, and if it's not, then you're, you know, maybe you're on the same wavelength. So if a pregnancy, unplanned pregnancy happens or something like that, then you can, um, you're both going to be like, you know, the man will be like, okay, I'm ready to yeah. play my part in this. And the woman will be like, and I'm ready to have your child. But to a degree, Marvin's point is, is reasonable. Like if he says, I just don't want to have this and there is a medical intervention that could prevent it from happening safely mm -hmm. for everybody involved, mm -hmm. please do it. I can't afford it. Can't I'm not emotionally right, right. stable for this, whatever. And the, this the partner's like, no, mm. you are on the hook for the next, well, twenty percent of your life or more. Mm. That that's quite the asking. Do you? Does anybody know the the law on that? 
it's just as Marvin had explained. Uh, I think you're on the hook. Sir, it's even worse than that. I don't know if this was in Canada or the States, but a man did a paternity test, found out the child was not his, left the woman, and he was still on the hook for child support. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds, well, that sounds get, like a whole episode. We're getting to obscure territory, but I'm sure weird things like that have happened. And they, they have a relationship before, and maybe, you know, there can be all kinds of stuff, you know. There's a lot. I mean, we could go down a whole government intervention in Canada. Um, uh, you know, it is really tilted toward the woman in terms of uh, spousal support. Like, there's cases where you can be, um, you know, with somebody, you know, you break up, and then you're just paying the person you broke up with some percentage of your salary over the next, like, 10 years or whatever because there's... Yeah. You know, just just because, just because it's of common it's, law, yeah, common yeah. law marriage, yeah. and not even to do with the babies. Like I literally, I made more money than you. We were together this many years. I owe you now part of my salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? That, How is that? That a is divorce? outrageous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what I always thought was like that's where that's what the whole married idea is yeah. for. It's like you want to have like start putting things in law. Okay, that's one thing. But now this like common law, um, you know, it just gets too vague. And again, you get too many. Hands like you know, lawyers, governments in the you know going to courts, clogging up the court system about a these. Breakup like, means a breakup, done, finished. Unless there's a child involved, which yeah. requires child, mutual. For sure, know, yeah, for sure. And mm, perhaps if you know one spouse is just incapable of working, and or you, I can see a bit of a gray mm-hmm. zone, but it should be used really rarely for the spousal support. You know, right, right. You know, mental health or whatever, different you know living arrangements. Of, you know, each family kind of configures itself in a certain way. You know. But yeah, very, very rarely. Yeah, I have, I know, I know one person. She, she made more than the husband. They got divorced. Mm. She gave him the house, like one-time payoff. There, we're done. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Mm. And she just moved on. She well, was definitely making more money. If it's this like, was in you Canada, you get the house. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if this was in Canada, she probably could have done better in the court. Like they probably, you <laughs> yeah. know, she could have done there and to been like, To her credit, she's like, she's like a. I am a woman, so go get her, and she just took the executive decision. Okay, yeah. I don't want to be doing this for the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. You get the two million dollar house, ciao. Yeah. Oh, you know? God. Yeah. 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 That's nice. Yeah. I mean, that's a good. That's a. I mean, that sounds like an. I mean, obviously, I don't know whomever it is, but it's mm-hmm. like that's a seem that idea is a very, I think, well adjusted one. It's like mm-hmm. that's clean cut. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, you don't want to, you know, you never want to have a situation where you're giving, um, where you're giving, you know, you don't want to leave somebody and just leave them. Like, again, it's a morality thing. You don't want to leave somebody and just like leave them destitute. It's but it's like. It's cutoff point too. Here's your financial payout. Yeah. I'm emotionally done with you. You're not going to be part of my life in this sense yeah. anymore. We're done. Right. As opposed to every time you see your paycheck, you're reminded of the spouse you once aided. Yeah. And, and <laughs> resenting it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think this was a Joe Rogan story, but. I think he told it about a comedian named, I think it was Dave Foley. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I know that guy. He got a divorce, and then the judge, at the height of this dude's career, was like, okay, you're making, like, whatever, $10 million a year, so you owe the wife, like, $2 million a year. And then his career obviously went downhill after that, and he was, like, stuck paying her, like, from the height of his career. Right. It wasn't a percentage. It was, like, a fixed amount. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, yeah, in Canada, you can, they re, um, like, sometimes you can get a fixed a fixed thing where it's like, okay, you, you, they look at the salaries and they're like, okay, well, this is, you know, you're making 200,000, she was making 100,000, so you have to pay her or what some difference for the next like X number of years, six years, and then it's done. But some of them, 
you have to keep reapplying. It's like it might not even be done at that point. Like you still have to go back and see, reassess the situations. Like that's just that's like a prison sentence. Like that that is really like it should unfair. never go on longer than the marriage lasted too. There, yeah. Oh, like, I yeah, exactly. Get back on your feet, right? There's um there was a story I read of this guy. Um, he was in, from Canada, but he ended up in that situation where he was sent or like yeah sentenced to pay a bunch of money. Again, no ch child involved. This is just like um. Uh, like just spousal support, but he ended up having to pay her some, like a lot of money. And he was like, basically looked at what he was making. And he's like, I basically am not going to have good life. So he left, he left the country. He's like, I'm like, mm. and he sent a message just saying like, I'm, you know, I'm just not coming back. Like, and uh, like, there's like a warrant out, like there would be a warrant out if he, or if he landed yeah. here, he would have all this back payment, yeah, but yeah. catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At that point. It's like, no, you get nothing. Should have negotiated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of... Um, we only um, get paid when you get paid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but there's a lot of laws, uh, uh, I, you know, bringing it again to this whole idea of there being a morality side and a um, legal side, you, you, you really want to look at... Like, I think in, in society in general, we need to have that as a differentiation because it's like, it causes a lot of problems and it causes a lot of people, it, it certainly gives the ability for the media and for interested parties in um, sort of inflating issues where there isn't one or making things sound worse than they are. Like, um, abortion is one, um, freedom of speech is another, and uh, you get into situations where it's like, you know, fundamental right should be freedom of speech um you know everybody can say whatever they want now you get into the morality of that like you don't want somebody you know crying fire in the crowded theater or whatever but you would hope as a society you know very few people would do that yeah. it would be very rare uh and if it did happen it would be like there would a lot of be social consequences to that especially in this day and age right mm -hmm. um now, I don't know if that's just overly optimistic and then, you know, you can get into hate speech and that kind of thing. It's just such a, it becomes such a tricky road to navigate. Um, well, it's almost like I would say if you're going to err on one side, which side, because you're going to make errors, mm -hmm. what side do you want to err on more often? Right, right. More control or less control? Yeah. I would prefer, I think, from what I've seen in my lifetime, to err on the side of less control. Yeah. You know, and then just let humans figure it out diversity let them all figure it out it's messy freedom right. is actually really messy you know that's the problem people are looking for neat orderly stuff i think as yeah. the more structured our societies become the more we're looking for our laws to be really neat and tidy too and freedom really isn't like the freedom like a wild garden it's free you don't know the yeah. tomatoes might take over and then the weeds you don't know what's going on right right whereas a nice neat garden has been delineated into all these sections and everything else yeah but you're not going to get a lot of diversity that way you know and, and you might miss out on something that you need as a society Right. So I would, I would always personally err on the side of freedom. Because freedom is diversity. It is going to have different diverging points of view. So any well, centralized sort of being is, you know, you're just assuming it's got some sort of mega structure that's going to be infallible. Mm -hmm. And then and just by being centralized, it's going to be big, slow and bureaucratic. Right. right? right. So how on earth is that going to be better? You know? You know? Yeah. You uh, brought up a good point um, before about, um, you know, when we were uh, talking before uh, about uh, yelling an insult at somebody and if you would use sort of a racial slur mm. um, and you gave an example of somebody at a golf course like yeah. yelling that at somebody and then I guess they were what probably it was posted all over social media yeah and, the uh, person that was getting yelled at was filming them 
the person doing oh. the yelling. Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe they thought you know something physical was going to happen. Like whatever. right, right. I, I always find pulling out the camera just kind of a, a, a yeah. lame move. It's a real you know? bitch move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you know, man, deal it. You know, yeah, person yeah. to person. You know, it's kind of like the whole Johnny Depp stuff too, and the Amber Heard. Like, really, do you need to be recording your spouse at their worst moment? Right, while right. you know, then you're acting at your best moment. Like, it's just. Yeah. So of course, the person holding the camera is going to be all like, oh, "Look at me, I'm." potentially the victim and this person is right. coming at me ha they said a bad four-letter word right you know um yeah like learning like what would we need a new book now what, what are our socially acceptable slanderous words you can use yeah, yeah. well yeah and because you get into a situation where like first of all when i'm you know if i get cut off or something in traffic or whatever it is that like you know, when you want to yell at somebody, you don't want to have to filter that. Like, I mean, and that's not good. Like, I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but it's like, you know, you want to obviously minimize that. But like, if you're angry, you want to hurt the other person. Yeah, like, yeah. so you want to think of the most offensive thing you can. So like, you know, and by, by its very nature, you're going for their weakest spot. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be like, like you gosh darn, like, um, you know, uh, yeah bad guy or yeah. whatever. Like it, it doesn't insult anybody. Like you have to get, you have to get in there, you know, like, um, uh, Maybe and, we should go back to the thing. It's just words, man. Exactly. That's nobody, what it comes down nobody to. Nobody touched you. It's yeah. just words. If they had said all that stuff in a foreign language, mm -hmm. you would have had no idea what they said, and you would not have your feelings hurt. Yeah. So it's actually kind of gets a little spiritual, but it's your interpretation of the words almost as much as what the actual words are. Right. So, well, now here's an interesting thing, and um, and if anyone wants to say anything, just interrupt. I, I don't want to monopolize anything. But um, if you get... Like, this is another question where it's like, why don't you have a woman on the show? It's like, well, we are three white men. So maybe this is, and three straight white men. Um, well, we're not so sure about Marvin, but. Uh, <laughs> um, no, there's anything wrong Anybody with Anybody named Marvin yeah. is a little, yeah, a little marvelous. <laughs> um, so you, so you want to, uh, like, we have to, I can appreciate that somebody might say, look, what the hell do you know about you know, insults or whatever. Like, you don't know what it's like being a minority or this and that. Sure. And I can appreciate that. Like, I, you're, you're right. Like, I, I don't know, and I haven't had that particular insult. But you know, come on, everybody. You could someone say glasses, four eyes, chubby. yeah. Everybody's like, been assaulted. So I spent years in high school. Like, there was this. I, you know, one of the schools I went to it was like that. Was, that was all people did. Like, it was just fights and like, mm. you know, insults, and it was just like, um, you know, I've been, I've been called, uh, you know. I don't know if I had the four eyes. Well, maybe in grade school, I probably did have that. But it was, um, um, you know, I had a lot of, like, people thought I was gay for a long time in high school and stuff like that. Um, probably even in university. I don't know. Um, but it's, um, but, uh, you know, and at the time, like, it was hurtful. Like, it wasn't as accepting to be gay at the yeah, time, yeah, right? Yeah, so it was sure, like, sure. I didn't want people to think I was. Like, not to mention the, like, deleterious effects it had on my, like, trying to woo women and stuff like that. Right. But like, um, you know, it, and there's been other, you know, I've been various other insults and this and that. So like, you know, I don't know when I think back to like, I don't know, granted, I don't know what it's like growing up in a, uh, you know, in high school now or, um, but I'm, you know, it's not that I'm foreign again, I'm a human, I have empathy and I can abstract, you know, one situation and, and, uh, recognize that while I'm not a minority, so I don't know what it's like to be called like, you know, a racial slur, I, there are other things like that and I've been called. What makes racial slurs the worst of all slurs? Exactly. A yeah. slur is a slur. You know, well, I think your that, feelings are hurt. You know, you're, yeah, you're yeah. the other, you've been othered, right. you know? Um, well, especially these days. I mean, it's not, I mean, like, I think that 
like I get it. Like don't get me wrong. Like there's no like I think that um, you know I, I hate saying the n word, but it's like you know it. I, I get that you know years ago being called that. It's it's it makes sense that that would be such a you know you because you're feeling like a lesser human or whatever. Sure. whatever. And maybe you're not so sure. You're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I am. And like, group identity in that point because obviously you're not going to identify if someone says, "Hey, four eyes," and all of a sudden you're part of the four eyed group. <laughs> yeah, know? right. It's exactly. Kind of very yeah. Individualized. Yeah, know, to, yeah. Just directly to you. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. There are is a gradient. Yeah. But I don't know. Like it have to be just really like repetitively like the, a person re- repeatedly doing the same mannerisms over and over again. Like, okay, mm. this guy's got an issue. Yeah. As opposed to the once every 10 years, he just blew up because someone cut you off in traffic. Right. Well, know? and like, think about it this way too. If you're really obese and you try everything you can to lose weight and like, um, and whatever it is, it's not working. Maybe it's just, you don't have the willpower or whatever, but it still torments you. So you're still like, it's still negatively affecting you in a big way. Mm-hmm. And then people go out of their way to sort of bully you all the time about mm-hmm. being overweight. Like mm-hmm. that's really harmful, right? Like that's going to hurt that person. So like, is that worse than calling somebody the, especially these days, like, um, you know, a racial slur, which I, you know, I would say it casually, but I don't want to, you know, it's like you'd say it. Our show nobody, nobody knows the depths of your own personal pain. Right, like, right. Hey, buddy, you had three divorces, eh? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's the bane of my existence, right. you know? Um, yeah, like, nobody knows. I mean, like, to your point, that's why people throw them because they want to hurt the other person to the almost highest degree possible with just words. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to pull back is just like a completely opposite energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's not even in human nature. I, I don't think you know. It's oh, like, and you have to almost let that out sometimes. I, I would think, other than otherwise, it sort you of could festers. even argue, like going in a bit of a hockey analogy, allowing a little bit of fighting in hockey prevents more injuries because then you just see the person face to face and you understand it's a confrontation. Right. So allowing people to almost like you know, scream to whatever limit they want may actually stop them from getting into a physical confrontation. Yeah. Because they've had enough of an outlet to feel relieved from the moment. Right. Yeah. You know? Like a, like a release valve, a safety valve, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like and, by, and by doing that, maybe that's creating what we see in society, this pent up sort of like just anxiety, depression. Nobody can speak their open mind anymore. Even right. if they cut someone off in traffic who's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's, it can be very claustrophobic emotionally. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is, um, you know, like I feel simu- almost simultaneously two feelings every time I sort of lose my shit and just like blow up with somebody. I feel simultaneously like relieved and shamed. Like I feel like shit afterwards because I'm like, like, and that's oh. that's part of the lesson. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the lesson. To yeah. realize what I said was wrong and I'm going to learn from that. I could yeah. have done this. I could have handled it a different way. Yeah, and then know? next time you, you try harder. And, uh, and then if you can't, you know... And then after some time, maybe you, you realize, hey, like maybe I just have a problem with like anger or like yeah, maybe yeah. it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Um, I mean, it's not in my case. Maybe these but. ways of being are trying to create a better humanity, but it's making worse humans. Yeah. You know, like we're looking at like such a like a group, you know, what makes for a better world? But is it actually mm-hmm. making you better? Do you have the chance to make your mistakes, falter and learn from them? Yeah. You know, I agree. But um. Like, can we bring it back to abortion for a bit too? Do you yeah, by all means. That's... Because I know Marvin has some, like we really have, I think, different points of view on this. And he's mm-hmm. a very intelligent guy and I, he has a way of like putting things. And I just want to know, you know, like where, where you stand on all this. Yeah. Now that we've kind of warmed up a little bit, we've kind of gotten everywhere now where the juices are flowing. Like where, where are you at? I get the argument that you want laws to be as simple as possible. But I'm uncomfortable with late-term abortions. And by late-term, I, I even mean like in, in the second trimester. 
So second trimester, what is what is that? Like what's happening in the womb? I mean, you've got a heartbeat. You've got brain activity. They're already kicking. You feel them moving. I mean, there's a reason why Planned Parenthood did not want the women to have ultrasounds because when the woman sees an ultrasound in the second trimester, she sees a living mm. baby inside of her and she doesn't want to abort it at that point. Mm. I'm guessing some of these women at that point still think it's like a clump of cells in their stomach, but they see a fully formed human in there and they, they don't want to go through it anymore after that. Well, what's in it for Planned Parenthood to like want, you want me to more abortion? hat on or no? Yes. The, By all means. The body parts of the aborted fetuses are used for various things like cosmetics, research. They're very expensive. Hmm. Oh, wow. It's like recycling. Yeah, yeah. That's uh wasn't there a movie like that? Uh where they were like using the body parts. Will Smith, the eyes at the end. He's got the other person's eyes in his face. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah I see but, your point. But I think in Canada, no abortion clinic recommends i don't know if they allow after 23 and a half weeks which would be at the end of the six months or so allow what abortion well you're yeah. saying three like, months even well is, he said second, second 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 trimester, trimester. So you yeah. had 24 four weeks. to six yeah. yeah so at that point i think i was reading last night officially at like the clinics will just they only they, they don't want to deal with it at that point and after but i'm sure it happens yeah I'm sure there's some private clinics somewhere. So there is, there like, is like, so every, even the clinics seem to have a line. Mm-hmm. What, how often they cross that line and how easy is it to cross that line? I don't know. Yeah. But that's what they would officially write. Yeah. But I don't think, to your point, I don't think anybody emotionally feels good about the idea of babies being aborted in the like seventh, eighth, ninth month. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't want to ban it either. I just want to be able to call the woman a murderer if she goes in there and gets a seven-month-old fetus ripped apart and taken out of her. Is that a fair trade? Well, if the, it depends on what you consider it life. If, it, if you would consider it live, like alive at that time, and now it's no longer alive due to her actions, yeah. Well, well you, I mean, you could have a cesarean. I don't know when that kind of kicks in, but like... 51 weeks is the earliest recorded... For cesarean? Premature birth. What is that? That's like... Wait. That's a year, yeah, isn't yeah, it? You said 51. <laughs> Did I say 51? Yeah. 31? I think it was 31. Yeah, it was, se- sorry, seven-ish it was, months. It was five months and one week. That's where the five and oh, the five, one. Oh, okay. so you're down to 20-ish months, or 20-ish weeks. Yeah, that's the earliest recorded birth. So if you can have a cesarean at six months and have a, it's a premature baby, it's it might live, be yeah. a little bit smaller, but it's mm-hmm. going to live a normal life. Then if you're aborting it at that time, you're literally ripping out arms and legs of a baby that could survive on its yeah, own. Yeah, I would agree with you. If there's a medical way to make that baby live, but then that's a, that's a slippery slope because you might have something in the future, you know, like in bubbly water you take the baby at like yeah. know, six weeks and it'll survive too right like that's a gradient that may shift with technology uh, yeah. yeah i think that you should be able to um uh, protest it if you want like if, if the if your uh, issue is that you can't call somebody a murderer like i think there are actually laws in canada where you can't protest outside abortion clinics yeah. or something or there's some you can't something, or something like yeah. that but um which is ridiculous like yeah. I, you know but but i i I get why these things are done, but it's like, again, let's try and make things as simple as possible. And like, of course you would be, you should be able to like, you know, say what you want. Like I would say morally, it's like, um, I, you know what, I would say that that morally is probably just as questionable as somebody having an abortion at that point. So like the I protest itself, you mean? Well, yeah, yeah. The, the fact like calling, like, cause you would think, you know, calling somebody, the idea is a woman going in for an abortion is like, you know, it's a tough decision and like they don't want to do it and it's like a horrible day for them. But, you know, so, you know, screaming at them just makes it shittier for them. But like at the same time, I would think, 
you know, why, you know, I'm sure there are reasons or whatever, but somebody who is getting an abortion that late, it's like, you know, why are you having an abortion so yeah, late? Yeah, and the, abor- the protesters aren't picking and choosing. who they, they could be somebody going in there in the eighth, eighth and a half month having an abortion. Right, I mean? right. So at that point, they're like, dude, to me, that's murder, you know? And yeah, and do the doctors, I, uh, it's another thing I think is the doctors should be able to choose, just as they should be able to choose if they don't want to do yeah. transgender operations or whatever, it's the doctor's right to choose, you know? Like, I mean, I can, I'll, and again, I'll go on one higher and say, like, it can be the hospital's policy that they have to do this and they lose their job if they don't. But ultimately, it's just freedom of choice all, all the way down, you know? That's the way I see it. Sir, what happens in the event that I walk up to a pregnant woman who's eight months pregnant and I just blast her in the stomach and, and cause a miscarriage? What am I charged with? Blast her in the stomach with what? A water like a leg kick. A slanderous mm. word. <laughs> well, you could yeah. be, char- yeah, I don't know. That's a good question because you're like, really, you're charged with assault for sure, but would you get the key difference though is that it's not your body you'd find yourself in the ridiculous situation of trying to your lawyer would be trying to prove that the that that wasn't a real life in there in order to spare you from a murder charge there's been cases where a pregnant woman's died and the guy's been charged with a double homicide Mm. Mm. why is that well, that I mean, that's the, the mother died, though, right? Yeah, the mother yeah. Died. So th- that 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 takes it out of the abortion, the you know, the whole pregnancy part, in that sense. Well, the mother and the child died, I think. Yeah, but I think the the, the key feature here is like, so the kick was, yeah, and okay, it gets confusing because you could say the fact that she was pregnant and resulted in her herself as the mother dying because of complications due to being pregnant and being mm-hmm. kicked, so it becomes intertwined. But you just kicking a person, that person dying, yeah, in itself is murder. Right. Right. You know, yeah. But yeah. if the baby were to die and she survives, right? Yeah. Um, I still think that you probably, I'm just guessing, I'm still thinking probably considered murder to your point that it's then a, a true life. It's a, its own sentient being. But the key difference is that it's actually in, uh, the difference is that it's in her body. So she gets to make that decision. It's still part her. Well, she gets to make the decision on what, whether it was murder or no, not? No, whether she wants to abort it or not. So, so what is murder in this case? Because he's trying to make the point that aborting a baby at eight months is mm-hmm. is murder so then if i punch you and your baby happens to die isn't it all that's going to be charged as murder because if that's murder then aborting the baby yeah murder. well that's the thing like so and, and that's you know where it gets should be simple where it's like no that's not actually murder because um there has to be a consensus among everybody that in terms of the law that ba- that fetus or baby or whatever you want to call it until they're like you know, breathing their first breaths outside the womb, that's not an autonomous human as far as the law is concerned. See how technology screws things up. This used to be so easy. Yeah, yeah, it's like, this mir- where did this miracle come from? And yeah. you don't, uh, yeah. Like, um... Because without technological, modern technology, this wouldn't be a question. Be like, it's not Right, boring. right. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't probably, well, they might know if it had died, but, um... Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but it's the kind of thing that is... This is what makes things so murky is that there is this kind of like, um, uh, like all the opinions on this are sort of start getting into the nitty gritty of like certain, you know, weeks of gestation and this and that. And it's like, no, let's just agree to say, you know, and of course, like our, is our innocent lives going to be like, you know, whatever your personal feelings on it, like whether you think that the baby is alive from the point of conception or not. And like, I would say that, you know, there's some argument to be made about that, but like, um, you know, we have to agree as a society that we can't just can't look at it like that. Like, otherwise these, these, these things get too complicated and they're too, too 
there are too many ways to interpret them. Um, and, I, you know, I could I could see the argument. So you thinking like, well, that sounds like, you know, child killer talk. But it's like, like, again, you have to separate the moral from the like the moral and the ethical from the um, from the legal, because otherwise you have this like morass of um, like ambiguity that you can't kind of extricate yourself from. You're you're always going to be arguing back and forth about things and things are, you know, it's like, let's, let's, let's just, let's just cut it clean and then move on to the next issue and just do that all the way, you know, get everything done like that. You have to, I think you have to be, there has to be a certain business-like way of looking at laws. Like you want to be compassionate, you want to do this, but you have to, you know, make a firm decision and, uh, um, stick to it and stick to it and be consistent. Yeah. What do you think, Marvin? Okay, let's give them full bodily autonomy. You can get your abortions up until nine months, but when you walk out of the clinic, uh, you're a fucking murderer. That's what you are. Sure, take all your bodily autonomy, but I'm not going to pretend like you ripping out an eight-month fetus is not murder. Well, you don't have to pretend, but I mean, so that would affect you in a personal life. Like You probably wouldn't want to be with a woman who was like telling you that she had... Uh, I think she's going to atone for those sins. From like on high? Yes. She will be judged negatively. I would imagine. I mean, mm. I would imagine she would. I, I, I would. I would agree with that. But like, I mean, I, obviously, I don't know. But like, you know, that would make sense in a kind of universe where like that kind of thing happened. Um, but uh, yeah, sort of do like we a, live in a universe where that kind of thing happens? Like, that's a whole rabbit hole. That's for another time. But my middle ground is this: like, you have. How, how, how soon do you find out you're pregnant? At worst case, a month, you miss your period, hmm. right? Let's ask the women here. Is that what yeah, maximum three months. They might, you know, yeah, you know. Like 90% of people know they're pregnant yeah. within three months, yeah. Unless, like, there's something really strange that occurs in the second and third trimester. Like, you should already have your mind made up by the first trimester. Mm-hmm. That would be my middle ground. It's like, I, have, I don't really have a big problem with getting an abortion relatively early. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's already a heartbeat at, like, I think four or five weeks, but, like, I don't think the nervous system is developed by then. So in terms of like just being a pain thing, I don't think anything there is feeling any pain by being aborted. Still, you know, it is It just, as we talk about it, you know, it is sad. There's like a spirit, there's like a soul, yeah. whatever you want to call it. When does the soul that, get endowed? Though? That's being in, in probably conception. That's why you call it immaculate conception, you know. I would. And it's developing and germinating and it's small, but it's small and grows larger. But that moment that it actually instills, probably maybe I would say then. I would say that the universe is more like, like, and I realize that this opinion doesn't have a lot of uh, science to back it up, but kind of does in the sense that it's like the Schrodinger's cat kind of equation. It's like maybe the maybe the um, spirit doesn't get endowed until um, it's accepted that it's going to come into the world. So maybe the spirit is like. You know, whether that's birth or whether maybe an aborted fetus is never actually alive because it's never been well, the whole breath of life. Yeah. Or like, you know? it's just that it's, you know, we, we tend to think as humans such so like it's so stratified how we're thinking. Like uh, if you start, if you zoom out, incorporate like quantum mechanics and the whole um, idea that you can have these two state systems where it's like not that that thing or that idea isn't actualized until you know does a tree fall in the forest like um you know if there's nobody to hear it 
like if if you know if the is the is the kid alive is the uh is the fetus have a soul um if it gets aborted like i don't know i would think maybe like i would say maybe it doesn't and maybe that's just a rosy colored way to look at it but um i i don't think that we can assume that it does uh, and i, I think maybe that's know. where it goes back to being a mother and being maybe a woman. yeah because they're just sitting there yeah. five months and they're feeling kicks right and they're yeah. singing to it and maybe it was kicking and they start singing and it stops kicking mm-hmm. and you see it reacting to the world around it even though it's still inside her yeah i can only imagine what that feels like yeah but maybe that's only women that have chosen to have the baby right so like but then you have women that lose the babies too so they have souls you know so it's uh it gets uh, i mean it's obviously all conjecture so it's like whatever but uh um you know that whole arguing that on either side i think is you just kind of go down a rabbit hole because you don't know I mean, nobody knows at the end of the day anyway so it's kind of beside the point trying to make the argument that like like well they have a soul and you're killing a soul it's like do they i don't know marvin's point is pretty like i understand it because it's like he's basically saying like it's it's the woman's body and she can have her choice and just own up to what you're doing mm-hmm. right that's basically what you're saying yeah there's women online who brag about how many they've had as if it's like how many abortions they've yeah. had okay that's horrific yeah that so is do, horrific. i've heard this argument before and I, I don't know enough data on it but um like do women use abortion as a form of birth control because if so then that just becomes like like all, we're we're talking like higher order thinking here, mm-hmm. and that's just basically like well I just didn't have time to get a condom and the abortion clinic's free anyways, <laughs> so and who wants to pay Trojans are really going up in price these days, right. so I'm just going to go have an abortion and then that just feels like so utterly immoral, to me. Yeah, I just don't know to what effect that actually happens. Like how many is there a stat that says women who get abortions are more likely to have more abortions? Yeah, and is it well? But isn't it like? You know, see, I guess you know what we should have had a woman come on the show. But like, isn't it a isn't it a um, uh, a problem having like? I mean, it's not it's not like you're just going in and getting like a you know um, going on the treadmill for half an hour. Like yeah. it's like you're going in and it's a medical procedure, isn't it? Like, or is it so easy now? Like I, maybe, whatever it is, it's day. It's, it is a day. So yeah, yeah. So it's you know some investment of time. I mean, I do know people who've had two or three abortions because they were just being risky. Right. You know, yeah. and there is a stat too, I was reading um, that 54-ish percent of women who get pregnant had used some form of contraception that same month. So they're like, to, to counter my point, they are trying to not get pregnant. It just sort of happened. Right. Right. But then I go, well, that means 46% weren't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and 46% is a pretty large number when you're dealing with life and death. Yeah, like I think that's pretty callous to use the uh, you know um, birth control or abortion as birth control. Um, I wonder if that's talk about offloading personal responsibility. Yeah, to your to to, to your to your soul and to the universe, to life itself. Right, you know. So, well, what about like contraception then? Is there an argument to be made there? Like maybe we just go full Catholic Church. I mean, there's no, you know. Uh, I guess you don't have like a fully fertilized egg at that point. So you can see like, okay, you kind of blocked it. Um, but um, that gets deep because it is still a form of life. Semen is a form of life. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, you know. Yeah, but you never have the semen in the egg. <laughs> semen lives matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's when you get the unique DNA that it's the, like, the first step of a new human is when you have a unique set of DNA yeah. with a fertilized egg. If you prevent that from happening, there's no difference in my opinion between rubbing one out into a Kleenex 
or into a condom. Yeah, I suppose. Like I don't know, this might may or not may not work. But is it is when you plant a seed in the soil, mm-hmm. is it an autonomous plant at that moment, or only once it actually gives birth to a fresh tomato? Like at right. what point do you say if I pull this out, it is no longer like what? What there's uh, there's. Hmm. Like you said, it might be a really complicated answer or an exceedingly simple answer. Well, who's to say, this is a bigger question. So like, and um, who's to say that souls are one size fit all, right? Like who's to say that there isn't small souls and big souls and it's not an evolving process. Oh, and like, like, you got soul, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots you of know, souls. Like you got lots of, yeah, yeah. 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 But you get, um, but you see what I mean? So maybe like, you know, because I always think like, okay, you know, you don't want to eat any, I don't know. So sometimes I'm talking and I feel like somebody's listening to this and it's just like, like, my God, this guy is like just fucking ignorant or, or just so like, um, uh, but you know, you get like, um, like a, a little, uh, you know, when I see people protesting, like, you know, vegetarians who don't want to, you know, eat meat, um, it's to me. And then, you know, you get vegans who want to kind of, Till, you know, bring it back even more, like um, no milk and it's et cetera. But like, at what point is it like, you know, like lettuce is alive at some point, you know what I mean? Like vegetables are alive too. So like, where is the demark there, you know? The universe and, is just always eating itself. Yeah, like there's a, well, there's a whole like organic evolution to life itself. So it's like, you could say, um, um, Sorry, I watched uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers the other night again, and cool. uh, it's a really scary movie. Hmm. Um, that was probably the first truly scary movie I saw, and it was probably like late seventies on television. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've, I don't think I've ever watched it since, but it stuck in my mind. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes we have um, interest. I wouldn't say more interesting conversations, but we have interesting conversations in the breaks uh, during our during our uh, shooting here. And um, it's it's unfortunate because it's like, I, I feel like I'm often coming on here and saying like, anyway, we were just talking about, and it's like some, you know, some topic that sounds, you know, that was actually um, touched on a lot of good points, but I want to kind of bring it back up. But um, there was one where, um, like, I think we've all known, you know, anecdotally and, you know, I'm even with you guys, I don't know whether you've had abortions or whatever, um, and you know, it's a very private thing Like you don't go around generally advertising it, but I would imagine it would be something that people have mixed feelings about, even if you were, you know, if you're young and you had an abortion and then like got older and it's like, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have, or, um, or maybe you're just looking at your kid one day and you're just like, oh, I had that decision to make, you know, eight years ago and I just, <laughs> I just made the wrong one. Like, I don't know if that's even a thing. You never hear parents kind of complaining about their kids to that level, but maybe they think it. Um, but I think there is something to be said for, and this is something that happened um, sort of off camera a few um, uh, minutes ago, uh, where we're talking about somebody who, uh, you know, Marvin, you were, you're somebody you went to school with, or a couple of people you went to school with. and Yeah, there was actually two girls that I went to school with who for sure were faced with that decision because they must have been 17 at the time, and they were pregnant, and... They ended up having the kid and, you know, you see their Facebook posts five years after that and they just seemed like they were the happiest out of anyone in school and they had their careers delayed, if not stopped entirely. The one thing I will say about them is they seemed to have a good support structure. They had grandparents that looked like they Mm. were there and would help out with that. 
So there was some still some balance there in their lives. But yeah, I mean, just anecdotally, it looks like the two that kept their children seems to be pretty happy. Well, them. are they, uh, do they have like husbands or boyfriends that stu uh, stood by them or? One did not. One got pregnant with a, another student at the school. They never stayed together, but I'm assuming he's paying support of some sort. And then the other, the other did eventually get married um, to the guy that had the baby with her. Mm. Mm. But I think that was inevitable. They just seemed like a good couple. Hmm. And how old would they be now? They're probably 33, 34 right yeah. now. So like like I was saying, like I think, you know, they went through their dark period, let's say. It, it was hard. They, their life got stopped. Um, kind of like COVID for the last two years. You know, like mm. you all of a yeah. sudden have a baby in your next two to five years. You're, you know, baby formulas and diapers and uh, not going to nightclubs or maybe able to continue your education and whatnot. But now they've reached this other point where of the transaction, let's call it, where all their pain was front-loaded early in life when they have the naive energy to get through it. And now they're at this moment where they can really enjoy their child and they have a full life in front of them. Like if that child is a person you're going to love, let's call it the most of any other human being in the world, mm. wouldn't it just then stand to reason the more years you get to love them, the happier your life will be? Right. You yeah. know, if you have a child when you're 40 and then you get terminally ill at 65, you only had 25 years to know your child, of which they were only an adult for like seven or eight years. Yeah. You know, as opposed to having a child when you're 20 and let's say you live to 80 and now you've got to know your child as an adult for the better part of 40, 50 years. You know, it's, a, it's a completely different experience in your own life and to that child's life to know their parent, not just as a parent, but actually as like a friend and as another just a human on this earth traveling together like i love the fact my, my parents had me at 20 and 24 so my mom is i'm 49 she's 69 years old mm -hmm. like i know her for all her faults as just a human now not just as a mom anymore right you know? yeah same yeah with my yeah. father yeah same uh, and of course that seems like an impenetrably large gap when you're like 14 years old but by the time you hit like 30 and 35 like they're not that much older yeah. And it creates this bond. Like you're and not that much different, you know. Not that much different. Yeah. And the trends and how you interpret the changes in the world, you're actually more closer aligned because there's not as much an age gap between you. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like a generational overlap, whereas like somebody like Trump has a kid when he's like 65. Like how yeah. is the kid ever going to talk to him about anything? Yeah, the world has changed three times over, yeah. let's say in Trump's lifetime alone. So right. like he's like, like at least three or four gaps away from understanding the way yeah. the thought process of his own child. You know? True. Um, yeah, like, you know, I, I hate, so I guess I, I want to make sure that this is, uh, like for, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is almost, um, uh, like it's interesting to look like I, you know, I would say anecdotally as well. Like I, you do hear about, uh, children being <laughs> so like, none of us have children. That's funny that, that we're doing this show like this, but like, um, I know everybody that I have spoken to about this, there is at least some level of, yes, this injected a significant amount of meaning into my life, like having this kid. And motivation. And, yeah. And like... Um, like statistically, they're more successful than people without kids. Interesting. Yeah. Lights a fire under your butt. Yeah, maybe. Just to support. Certain like people, certainly. Maybe not all people, but yeah, I could say like... like he finally became the man he was supposed to be because he had children. You know, right. it's like, yeah. and subconsciously, what does that do to your boss? Seeing like a family photo on your desk. Yeah, it probably 
promotes you. It's like a you know the they're part of the team at home. They're part of the team here. They're a team player. That kind of thing. Well, just like getting more stable. A, just like getting a degree in university just means well. Here's to me, here is a person who did something relatively difficult for a period of time, mm-hmm. of a significant period of time, four or five yeah. years, who didn't give up, got through it, and actually finished with somewhat decent marks. That is a well-rounded uh, individual that can take on projects and see them through. Yeah, I think yeah. I want that kind of person for my 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 business. Doesn't really matter the skill set. It's almost like a passport of a personality test. Can you handle stress for this period of time and see a project through? Because yeah. you'll learn whatever skills you need on the job, anyways. So having a family picture is also like, well, that's another degree. You have to learn how to negotiate with your spouse and your children and afford to pay for them and create a whole other business project. Let's say on the side, if they can do that, they can probably do something of the same for my company. Yeah. Well, the implication there is also like you need more to survive than some bachelor, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't have a wife or kids right now. So I, I, if I were to guess, my bosses probably think like, hey, we can afford to pay this guy less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's got to be some something to that. Like, um, yeah. It, it's also I think you get into because the executive suite seems to you know tend to be older, obviously. Um they're just because you know more experience or whatever they are also more likely to have kids or a family and then thus identify more with people like younger generation that does have kids it's like okay you've hit this next you know you've leveled up to this amount so like kind of more on an equal footing and we can go to like barbecues together or something and our kids can play it's like a bonding kind of thing what do you think actually just as a little bit off topic but um these days uh because you're, uh, Marvin, sort of a generation younger than Dimitri and I, what is your experience in terms of like you and your um, uh, ilk, I guess, like um, like your age demographic or whatever, is there a big difference in how, like when you think of like having a family, that like how does, is that something that is of primary importance to your generation? You know, speaking on behalf of the whole generation. <laughs> Uh, or is it something that, you know, I guess it would depend on sort of the sort of subgroups that you would associate with and this and that, because like it's obviously not one size fits all. But, um, you know, I'm just curious if there's been a big um, change in that for. for I, I really can't speak for my generation. I'd say I'm an outlier. I want a huge family. I want like seven kids. And when I tell people that immediately, that the first thing that comes to mind is like the financial aspect of it. They think like, how are you going to support one, two you want seven and I'm like yeah I don't that'll sort itself out like I really feel like you have a kid it lights a fire under your ass and then that multiplies with every kid that you have and I don't know kids are just like a money making machine adding pressure yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you want to be successful in your career have a couple kids yeah yeah but the more pressure you put onto yourself it's either you know sink or swim and it just motivates you to 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 start swimming a lot harder I mean, I've I wouldn't disagree. I, I don't. I, I don't understand when they say, "Well, you know, the nuclear family today, two kids, it'll cost you like a million dollars by the time they're 18. Mm. Like, that's just such a grossly high number. You know, most of the world lives on like you know two, three dollars a day, and here we are, like, you need a million to raise two kids. Right. You know, I, I understand costs, but we, we're getting a little luxurious in our lifestyles. Kids are off to summer camps all the time for several weeks. Like, yeah. it isn't the 70s anymore where you just played with your big wheel outside and mom just looked out the window and gave you popsicles. Right. Like, it wasn't that big of an expenditure. And it, most people will go back saying that was kind of the best period in Western civilization. Yeah. So I don't, I don't buy this whole everything needs a cost. 
Like I have, I have friends and people I know that just will take off to very expensive vacations. They go to Calgary and stay inside a cabin in the summertime. Okay, that sounds nice. Why? Oh, we're just going to take some walks. It's a very expensive <laughs> trip. You know, well, if you it want is to the live mountains like that, and everything, though. Sure. You know, but yeah. I just grew up too. I mean, I'm just saying, if you want to have seven kids, I think there is a financial way of achieving it. Right. You know, if you want to have these mountain trips, yes, then that will factor into seven tickets, a bigger place to rent, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it doesn't need to go that way. We're just kind of geared up as a society that we... That's something to achieve. Like you're going to have better Instagram photos or something like that off that kind of a trip. Right. Our family trips, I don't think I had been on an airplane. And we grew up with a lot of love and very successful small family business in a nice neighborhood. I think I hadn't been on an airplane that didn't go back to my father's home country until I was like 25 or something. Oh, yeah. Like if I was going on a plane, I was going to Greece. Right, right. <laughs> you know? And it was fantastic. Give me six months and you're yeah. six weeks there and see friends and family and swim, and it's a great time. That's all the vacation I really needed, mm-hmm. you know? So there, there are ways to do it. You know, I just don't, it depends on how you want to gear your life. But you're right. The, the type of life that is promoted most is not the lifestyle that you, they're, you're, you're just trying to tell people you want. And yeah. that's why you're, you're throwing them a curveball. Yeah. I think, yeah, you hear a lot uh, these days about, um, you know, there's a real focus on, um, uh, I guess there's always been a focus on money, but it's like um, sort of what makes a good life, what makes life worth living. And one of those big, one of the big things that always comes up has been having kids. And, uh, you know, for me, I like to think like this conversation is almost not about you know, the legality of it is like the woman can still choose whatever she wants, but like what would make a a woman or a couple like fundamentally happy? Would it make you like, I mean, I don't know how much we want to start getting into the whole, um, you start talking about feminism or something, but it's like, you know, this fifth wave uh, feminism, but our, and again, I think if we did go there, it'd be very difficult to have this conversation without having a woman on this show. So we'll probably, we would need to do that. But I am curious, like it, it just, um, it, it is a life transforming experience having kids from all, given all, you know, anecdotal evidence. Um, and it, there almost seems to be a push against it with a lot of the younger generations these days, like, you know, whether it's because they think that the earth is, you know, it's a, the world is so horrible with oh, like they will the climate greedy at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, having having the kids? Freedom, yeah. kids, my God. Yeah. yeah. And I could even see if we're getting to like bodily autonomy, like the good, the more of a push, like good mm. people don't have children. Right, yeah. You're a breeder. Yeah, and yeah. certain subsections of society that already call people who live in the burbs and have kids breeders. Right. Like in a very yeah. derogatory sort of way. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't have to be a law. It can just become like just um, a cultural norm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember even when we were younger, like, um, it, it was, I would think that, you know, it, it seemed to be like, you thought anybody was having a kid, it, you know, when I was in school, like in university or whatever, it would be like, like, oh, there, if, you know, I, I don't want to say any names here, but like, there's some people that we went to school with would have kids and it was like kind of right away. And it's like, oh, okay. So they're just throwing their life away. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, why'd you even go to school? You know, but, you know, looking back again, it kind of comes back to what uh, Marvin was saying, or it's like. Um, you know, those people, like if you talk to them now, like they seem pretty happy and, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's just all a facade, but I think it does, you know, it really does, um, um, distill some meaning into people's lives doing this. And I think it's, um, 
it's almost like society wants to convince themselves that 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 meaning doesn't exist and that they that you know like you'd be happier just um you know having a really high paying job and just going out and like um traveling everywhere and sleeping with a bunch of different people and like you know and and we can debate i'm not just saying that that's not just like a, even a, an even better lifestyle i'm just saying that um you know when you talk about life and like what makes a good life like i think that you know people on their deathbed like it's usually usually one of the things they kind of relate to is like their kids or their um you know their family and uh you know kind of casting it aside or relegating it to being almost like a kind of parochial uh you know viewpoint to to want to have a family is is um probably a sad um corollary to the society we live in now and i just think it's a, it's probably a bad thing for for people to think yeah i'd say there's something in society these days like the vibe i get is that if you're going to self-actualize and become the person you are always meant to be that path will include not having children mm-hmm. you, know, you moved up the corporate ladder you got a you know several phds uh, you made six figures for numerous decades and that sort of thing which are just very hard to achieve when you're investing a significant amount of time and energy in having a family. Yeah. And so therefore that becomes sort of like the um, you know, like the uh, antiquated sort of way of doing things, you know. Yeah. Um and it's it's a shame because I I I it's all, inevitably nobody will say I think in their last years of life that I wish I had made more money or moved up a higher ladder. Yeah. It really is. And it's about propagating love, you know, and knowledge perhaps, you know. Leaving that behind, yeah. leaving something that you can leave behind to the earth. You know? Yeah, and um, you know, and fulfilling your p- potential. Like I think a lot of people um, have sort of a drive for something particular that they have a real passion for. Like you know, Elon Musk wanting to go to Mars. Like this, you know, a pretty valiant. Um, you know, it's a big idea, big something that he wants to do. But it's like, and I think a lot of people have different versions of that, and that's important to pursue too. But um, I can't help but feel that maybe maybe a lot of people don't have. Like they're replacing, they're not replacing the having a family with like some other big ideal. It's just, it's almost like nihilism. Like it's like they want to, they just, they want to, or, or hedonism rather. Mm. Like, uh, well, he still had time to have what, 20 kids? <laughs> yeah. yeah <he's, laughs> you know, yeah, he, he managed to do both, but not everybody can. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you guys are in your 40s. Do you ever wish that you had kids when you were younger? Mm. Good question. I could have emotionally totally had him at 22, 23. Like I'm not that different from that age, just that maybe a little more wise or whatever, but um, to your, could I have had him at that age? I think I would have preferred it if you just met the right person. Yeah, I think it's all about the partner. Did you have the support structure from your family at that point too? Oh yeah. I they did. would have been there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even more so because they were younger. Yeah. Right? They're more robust to be able to help. You know, I couldn't leave at this age now my parents... Uh, in their early 70s, they wouldn't be able to leave like a newborn with them or something. They wouldn't be, I just, it'd be too overwhelming for them. And also, right. even a toddler would be too energetic. Okay, but in this yeah. hypothetical, you're, it's, it's with a partner that you love, that, you're, mm-hmm. that you see mm-hmm. yourself getting married to. But what if it was just a one-night stand? And a single parenthood kind of thing? Or like, for example... No, a girl that you slept with, that you just met, came back to you a couple weeks later and said, I'm pregnant. Would you still want to have that kid? back then or would you probably just i think back then i i i don't know what i would have done 
Um, I, I don't think I've ever really like, I like the idea of having kids, but if I'm honest with myself and you know, time just has a way of sort of figuring things out for you if you don't take any action, like uh, I, I just sort of by default don't have kids and I don't feel strongly enough about it one way or the other that like, you know, I, I have big, I'm a very selfish person in, in the sense that like I have things I want to do and achieve on my own that don't involve kids. And I think from everything I hear is like, you know, kids take up an inordinate amount of time. And, you know, while I like them, they're, uh, you know, fun little humans and all, but uh, it's not, um, I don't think I've ever, even if it's only subconscious, ever been willing to sacrifice the, my own time for theirs. I could have done it, but um, I much prefer to be with a partner. It's just, it's, I, I, you know, it's twice as hard when you're on your own yeah. right? and it's already hard enough with two people. So I can only imagine doubling the costs and the effort and everything else and, you know, running a business and it would be very hard. But if you met the right person to then a very simple um, algorithm, if I had met the right person at a younger age, could I have had kids and I've still found all the things I wanted to achieve in life and maybe more because I have children, would I have been happy? Yeah, I could have been. But it just depends on your personal temperament, you know? I grew up in a big family. I liked a big family. I saw my parents sacrifice a lot for their family. I saw that their sacrifices actually made them happy. And to this day, if I go and ask them, what are your happiest years of your life? It always goes back to when me and my two brothers were toddlers. Hmm. Like between three and ten. Like those were the best years. And I think they also associate those years with them being young too. Right. My parents. So yeah. they're like, you know, we were looking good and we had a nice house in the burbs and the kids and mm. all watching you guys play and grow and develop and the humor and each child is funny in their own ways. Mm. By far, my parents will always come back. Those were the happiest years. So that's anecdotal, but it's pretty potent. Yeah, I'm seeing my cousin right now. Uh, You're she, seeing her? Yes, I'm seeing her. This no, conversation has <laughs> gone in a completely different I'm direction. I'm seeing my cousin and her husband. They're in their, I would say, early, really early 40s at this point. Their kids are, they range from about 12 to 8. They have four kids. Mm -hmm. And they're approaching the age where their interests and hobbies are starting to align with theirs. So, for example, like the dad is a real sports guy. He plays a lot of soccer and all the kids love playing soccer. So mm -hmm. they're getting to the age and skill level where they can actually play with him, right? That I think that's like where the dividends start paying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, for... I, you know, I feel personally like if I, you know, there will probably, I'm sure at some point in my life I'll be like, maybe I should have had kids because I'll regret not having that bond or something. Like, um, even now to some extent, like I just found out uh, yesterday that my brother is having uh, um, twins and um, like part of me was like, hmm, I like that's part of me wants to sort of. Um, that's big though, right? He's the first of the brothers yeah, to have yeah. kids. Yeah, he is. So it's like, you know, now he's my mom's favorite, which was always my uh, role. But um, yeah, I, 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 part of me was like, uh, you know, you know, I'm thrilled to be an uncle, but part of me was thinking like, you know, I wonder like, you know, I guess questioning decisions I made, whether I, whether I actually want kids or I don't know, it almost takes like a, an event like that to start, to start questioning some things where you're like, um, I mean, it's all hypothetical until it kind of, you know, actualizes in something. And then it's like, oh, okay, I've seen photos and, you know, they're going to be having two babies soon. We're like planning for Christmas, you know, where they're going to go and this and that. And it's like, oh, okay, so it's a real thing. And then I started thinking like, oh, what, you know, what have I done? You know, when I think of like 
the, not to make this into like some sad story about my life, but like, you know, what have I, have I actually achieved all the things I wanted to achieve or am I just now like middle age and I just don't have any kids? Like, it's scary, did I lose right? out on it's both It's either going to be validation or it's going to be your biggest regret, no? Based on how. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The safe bet is doing what everybody's always done for thousands of years. Yeah. That's the safe bet. Right. Could, right. You could hit blackjack or, or crap yeah. out. Yeah. Like it's one or the other. But at the, at the same time, it's like, you know, it's not, um, you know, there are plenty of people who don't have kids that are still happy. There are plenty of people who, um, you know, many life, uh, you know, people go in many different directions and it's not to say that there's not like, I mean, like not everybody can have kids. Not like, I, I don't know, maybe I can't have kids. You know what I mean? There's been some situations where I was like, like thought maybe I could have, and then I found out everything was okay. And I was like, Oh, like really happy. But now I'm like, well, maybe, yeah, but you, you know, know, that, that joy that we're talking about, that hypothetical joy about having a child and adding meaning to your life. Perhaps your role in this, you know, this whole thing isn't to have your own children, but maybe your brother will need that uncle to lean on. Yeah. And maybe. everything you could have achieved mm -hmm. from having your own children, you will be able to achieve by being there as like super uncle. Yeah. You know, or, or maybe you just feel the need to do that. And therefore it be, you become super uncle because you never had your yeah. own kids. Like it could be both working like, together. The but uncle's um, a nice hedge. Like it's like the boat. You don't you don't want to be the guy who owns the boat. You just want to right. be friends with him. Yeah, yeah. Or the truck. Yeah. But you can really get out everything out of your soul that's looking for from this and help someone else, which is your your nephews or nieces, let's call them, mm -hmm. and your brother, in a way that just no one else can really help. Mm. You're the uncle that's just there. Always putting know? a positive spin on things. Well, if you had your own kids, maybe you wouldn't be able to be there for him, and he might right. need your help, especially when you yeah. say twins. Right, right. So, like you said, if you give enough time to a situation, sometimes like the, the the way things are supposed to turn out, if you're if you're at least you know cognizant of watching it sort of play out in front of your eyes, will will show itself. Mm -hmm. I know, like I have a brother, and I'm there for his two children, my two little nieces, and it's um he's going to need help, and I think I can help him, right? And it will help me in turn. Too. And you always speak so glowingly about your uh, oh. you know your nephews and the loves well, of my so life like, i just yeah. like another they're getting old enough that they have their humor and they have their quirky and right. it's their thoughts from their own heads as they interpret the world yeah. around them it's the most fascinating thing you know right so it yeah it's um you can find that even if you can't have your own kids maybe not to the same degree but it's not a dead-end road right if it truly matters to you, you'll find a way to get that out. You can be, you know, join Big Brothers or something. Yeah. There's yeah. Always yeah. There's always a way to get that out of you. Right. Yeah. There's other ways of having like, um, you know, I know there's, uh, you know, I guess a special bond with the bio biological kid, but, uh, you know, you can always adopt. You can always have like um, some way of. Uh, yeah, but some sometimes you can have your own kids and like, you know, the kid might be more like one of the uncles. Yeah, you know, genes are a funny thing like that. Right, you you right. may not connect with your own children sometimes. You know, yeah. it is a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, sometimes like this one looks just like grandpa. You know, you do get yeah. that too. So the fact that it's even within your familial circle only like you know increases the chances of you finding what they need and what you need. Right, right. Yeah. Do you think uh, us owning pets sort of satisfies that maybe a small parental urge that we have? Yeah, I do. I mean, I know that that's like, I know, I know it's not the same thing, like, uh, but uh, there is, there is a, there is a smaller element to that. Like, I, I mean, it's, there's something there. It's just, we're getting a dog and I don't have kids and I feel so cliche. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm the hairdresser who drives a smart car, no kids and has a dog. You know, and, I, and, I, and I love paradoxical things. People yeah. like to throw you curveballs. Like I never knew, you know, judging you from the outside, you were into these sort of things. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, it's love, you know, and like, I'm going to give it love. It's going to give us love. Yeah, who, am yeah. I, who am I to deny love? 
you know? Yeah. More love is just more love. So I just ride with that. And he won't be borrowing money off you all the time. No, it might cost you some money. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. And you'd have to be willing to do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's a, a sacrifice that uh, yeah people do have to make who are pet owners as well. Yeah. What was the initial question, though? You said us being in our 40s, do we have regrets not having children? Yeah, when you were a lot younger, like mm -hmm. late teens, early 20s. Mm. Yeah, no, um, it just happens. It just happens, and you have to just accept what happens as it comes to you. I think you have to accept when you're 20 and you have a child out of, uh, like I say, out of wedlock and you have to accept if you waited too long. You know, it's just, um, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. How, how, how do you think you would feel if you got to your 40s and you just never met the right person? Would you fall into, I do see this sometimes, I get this vibe that sometimes people hit their 40s um, and they just, all of a sudden, people who are very careful about not trying to get pregnant or get someone pregnant get somebody pregnant or end up pregnant. I'm like, is that the subconscious mm. kicking in going, well, I better just pick someone and get on with it. I didn't right. want to have a child at a wedlock in my 20s, but now my 40s, I'm willing to accept that because this is just means so much to me. Yeah. Because you would think in your 20s, you'd be more likely to be uh, uh, less careful. So, so, so for that same person to make it through the danger years and now have that happen in their 40s, it feels like to me, it was sort of like a planned accident. Right. I think you see yeah. a lot of that too. I'm actually in my early 30s, and very recently, I just had the urge to want to start a family, and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. A year ago, not even a year ago, I didn't want to, but yeah, just recently, I'm like, shit, I want kids now. Yeah, biological things matter. <laughs> Your genes are yeah. kicking off, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah, I never had that same feeling, but I, it wasn't that I was so strong the other way. I think it really does come down to like your partner and like I it's not like I've been with people that I like didn't love um and you know still am, but like and you know it depends on what they want to do too and what you know the mutual decision is, but I I I guess I could say like I could conceive of a situation like if my partner was you know really really wanted them and it was like this you know it became like I could, I could buy. It. I didn't want a puppy at first either, but um, you know, we we rescued a dog, and I'm like, I'm happy we did. So I mean, yeah, one of the things that probably contributed to my mind being changed was when my grandmother was going through dementia and Alzheimer's. I saw the way that my mom was taking care of her in her final years, and then I thought, like, what happens when you're 70 or 80, going through that, and you have no kids to take care of you? Mm -hmm. I thought that would be terrible. Because then uh, my grandma ended up going to, like a not a hospital, like a is it, a, is it called a hospice? Like a long where you're just long term care. care yeah, yeah, and there was people in there that were just like wards of the state, basically. Like it was just these random nurses who didn't know them that were taking care of them. They had no family to take care of them. I'm sure the the service they got was crap. They probably just laid in their own feces until they died like soon after and i was just like well, oh. i don't know if it's that bad i mean well, some of them are pretty bad they get like rashes and shit from not being cleaned properly and i'm just like i don't want to die like that i mean i figure i like i'm per personally i just think like i would be I, i've never really worried about that but i can see how that would be really sad for somebody going through that i i, I always so just common. think i would just be pumped full of drugs and i'd be okay with that like just you know or just be so far gone that's like whatever. Let me doodle or something <laughs> like. Um, but maybe that's naive. Uh, I like I had a grandparent who, um, you know, she was never uh, 
like she was in a long-term care facility, but like we went to see her all the time and it was, it didn't seem that bad there. Like it seemed like, you know, it's like, it's just not that much fun to go into like a place where there's a bunch of elderly people, some of whom are quite sick. Like, you know, like they, but they have activities, they have things like, you know, you meet with the people. I'm not saying that the, you know, the nurses aren't like overworked or maybe some of them are resentful or whatever. And hopefully that doesn't ever manifest in like, you know, any kind of abuse or anything, but like, um, I don't know. Is it worth? It's cultural too. I think it's like, it depends yeah. on where you're from. I like, you know during Corona, like Greece didn't have much of a, and it's great. They had a very strict lockdown, like very strict, but they didn't have the uh, deaths like their neighboring Italy did. Cause they're actually, Greece doesn't have a culture of long-term care homes. Mm. So a lot of the outbreaks, like whatever number we're floating, they say 60, 70% of the outbreaks were in long-term care homes, generally speaking yeah. here in Canada. They didn't have that in Greece because people don't really live in long-term care homes. Right. What's the culture? They're just single family households? Yeah. Or like, like ge- multi-generational? Yeah, multi-generational. You get stuff like that or they do build a lot of these two, three-story condos and then typically maybe the grandparents live on one floor and the in-laws live on a different floor and then their kids live on a different floor. And so there's interaction throughout the building, but um, they're all in their own separate condos. So you just pop in, make sure they're okay. You walk down a few steps, you go back to your condo, that kind mm. of thing. So it's great because the doors are always kind of kept open anyways. You have to buzz to get in. But within the condo, because it's just all family, people just kind of oscillate up and down. I would have thought Italy was like that too. They Me just too, very but it was also in the north. And I think the north is a little more central Europe rather mm. than the south of Italy. Right, right. So I, I would assume without ever being there, the south of Italy might be culturally a lot more aligned with Greece mm. as opposed to the more like as you're bordering like, you know, Switzerland and Austria and stuff like that. Heathens, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little colder up there right. near the Alps. So I'm just kind of, you know, this is a very stereotypical thing, but I think that. So I think culture plays a role. Um, harder though to, as you know, children of immigrants in this country though in Canada to be able to recreate that. Like even like the physical structure of buildings is different, and how do you work at the costs of the buildings? But yeah, culturally, I, w- I wouldn't ever want to go into a retirement home. I wouldn't want my parents in there, and I would move heaven and earth to do whatever I can to look after them until it's just beyond my capabilities. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what happened in our case was like, I mean, like I said, like we went to visit uh, my nans like all the time. It was just, um, and you know, she would, for all intents and purposes, good. Like she actually kind of thrived in many ways because she would meet friends there, she's Mm -hmm. very social. But it became more a case of worrying what would happen when nobody was there and like, um, you know, you had to have somebody always there just in case, so. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't want my, that, that being said, I wouldn't ever want my parents. To and I've heard it so. on the flip side too, like, like to the counter your point, Marvin, um, like what a burden to place on your children that they have to look after you when you get older. You know, it's like some people say, well, I don't, you know, it's such a like almost greedy that you're almost planting the seed that in the future I have long-term care helpers. Well, if you have seven kids, that's they can one disperse day a week. It. Yeah, yeah. 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 Very good point. That's but good strategizing. That, yeah, but if there's only one or two, and there's no guarantee they'll even live in the same country, never mind province or be close to you. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty popular in the Indian community right now is to have multi generational families in Canada, and there's pros and cons to it. But I mean, like, it just seems like a net positive to me, especially with the housing prices nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they, yeah. They, I, yeah. Com- I, I am a fan of the lifestyle completely. Um, it's just um, it's aligned more closely to my worldview, let's say. Family is important. It's a social structure, and you don't. You might end up bonding with your great great grandchild or something in a really yeah. unique way. You know, that's what the, makes those magical little stories sometimes. Um, actually, uh, you know, I think we should probably wrap it up. But uh, I have something to say uh, that um, I was going to ask you about, um, oh. or your better half about, actually. But um, 
so um, my partner has gone into a lot of genealogy stuff lately, and she's really been researching it. My dad is really into it too, so he kind of got her going with it or whatever. But uh, but she's just obsessive over it now, and she ended up finding a bunch of um, second cousins that she has living like around the world, and some. She just found out, it was like maybe a couple of weeks ago, that they lived in uh, Argentina, in Buenos Aires. No. And uh, wow. she started talking to them over Zoom, and it's, um, you know, um, her cousin and then his daughters, and they're all they're all on the call, and all talking as if it was like they didn't skip a beat. Like their, their English wow. was good. The um, one guy, uh, like her actual cousin is more just Spanish. Like he, I think he can understand, but he can't speak as well. But the other two are just like fluent English. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really like the conversation, I was just there for some of it, but like, it was very flowy, very like, like there wasn't like, you know, you know sometimes you'll have a conversation with somebody and it doesn't, it's not totally. a first language and it's like kind of awkward you know, and you're not uh, getting the jokes, little, but like, genes matter. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's a certain, like, you know, your brain is hardwired in a certain way and people just seem to understand you. Yeah. Right. And you get that from familial connections. Yeah. You can, you know, I have this, you know, amongst my own family. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, when you head up north and you take the road that goes left and right and one brother will be like, what do you mean? Like east or west? Meanwhile, <laughs> the other brother's like, oh, I totally know what you're talking about. Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like you kind of just, because you're not being so careful in your wording, but you don't need to be because yeah. you know the other person just sort of intuitively understands you. Right. So yeah, I, I've experienced that in the big family too. Yeah, yeah. We can it's just sit down. We haven't seen each other in two years to cover COVID, but I know once we get to the table, the banter and the talking and the humor and the mm-hmm. what did you think of the last two years? And we haven't really talked about any of it. Are you pro mask or anti vax or whatever? Yeah, I'm sure the banter will be flowing like we haven't missed a minute. Like we're literally in like March 2020 trying to figure out like we'll just right. catch right up again. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, it's funny. So we started with abortion and we're ending with like family. Um, but Isn't it's it all the same, it's kind <laughs> of all the same, you know? Yeah, I guess. Well, it's making a decision. Actually, uh, I don't, I don't know if this is something I should say or not, but maybe I'll just cut it out if, uh, if I, you know, if it's a problem, but like, you know, so we found out yesterday that, uh, my brother and his wife are pregnant and with twins and like um, the way it was revealed was it was like a Mother's Day, a post-Mother's Day celebration because my mom had COVID last week, so we had to postpone it. But uh, it was very, um, it, she's like nine weeks along or something. And, you know, there's kind of the thing. It's like a wait until yeah. 12 weeks or whatever before you start saying anything. But, uh, you know, they said something, and I can't remember if it was her or my brother who said it, but it was like, they said, you know, like you say that because it's, you don't want to kind of advertise it to the world, but we're family and we're telling you, yeah. because if something does happen, yeah. you know, we want you guys to be able to support us yeah. as well. And it was like, that's a really good point. Like that is, why wouldn't you tell us, you know, like we're all, um, you know, we would want you to lean on us if you could You're either way, inner you know, circle. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is, uh, you know, kind of nice and you know, hopefully a nice way to end this episode, which I is wonder, a little meandering. But. And I wonder, I wonder just culturally or like mystically and in our intuition, why, why do we do this wait in, uh, 90 days until you tell somebody something? I think it's just that you don't want to do a lot of explaining, like just because it, that's, you know, you might have complications, right? You're more yeah, likely I to don't, I guess so. And I don't know the rate of, you know, um, babies just some yeah i don't know the you know specific happens. rate yeah. but yeah but you know tying that into like time frames of abortions in like the first trimester you know <laughs> like most people agree if you're going to do it that's the time frame we'll right do it. yeah and also that's also the time frame people don't even want to tell outside their uh, inner circle that they're even pregnant to yeah. begin with yeah it's a good kind parallel of an interesting kind of um, cultural norm sort of thing but yeah probably is quite universal around the world at what time do does the pregnancy become obvious though 
Hmm? Four months? Four or five? Yeah, like, you, you, you got a food baby? Do you have a little too much burrito? Yeah, at, at the end of three months, you're like, it, maybe it becomes that awkward thing, like, do I say congratulations or am I going to be slapped yeah. in the face? <laughs> yeah, I, there's something I think that might be, that could be for a future episode, but I think there's something there about just the cultural norms around hmm. not saying anything for the first 90 days. And also most people, let's say globally, sort of okay with an abortion if it's going to happen within the first 90 days. Yeah. You know, That's it's an interesting, a, interesting parallel. parallel. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming most of the miscarriages do happen in the first trimester, right? It seems I logical so. to me, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what are the airplane traveling and all that sort of stuff? You don't, you know, you don't do too much in the first trimester. Like things are taking hold. Is that? The yeah, idea, you know? I, I. You're not I living know. like you're pregnant. Maybe like you just you're still drinking and. Hurt. No, you're, I don't think so. I mean, she wasn't. I. Uh, I don't want to say any names. So, like my brother's wife, uh, I don't think you're supposed to drink. During that time, or you know, is, if you if you know, some confusion hormonally where your body's like time for the period, and it just like flushes. According to her, like she knew, like I mean, her body has uh, changed. <laughs> I don't want to talk about yeah, her yeah. body changing, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think that that, that it's just an important, yeah, like kind of takes hold or something like that. Um, all right, well, let's uh, say goodbye then. Thanks for listening. I know it was a bit of a rambling episode in terms of all the topics we sort of touched on um but uh i think it's an important one to do just because of the the roe versus wade um uh potential for overturning here and um uh, marvin it was good to have you on the show uh, hopefully you'll come back for another episode on uh some other topic marvelous marvin marvelous marvin um and uh, uh yeah thanks for listening and, uh, take care folks bye